And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Happy Thanksgiving Eve. Welcome in, everybody, to a live recording of State of the Nation. I am Jimmy Durkin. We've got Ted Wynn, Deshaun Reed all here. Ted is, is back from his uh, his foray into uh, into L.A. He, he went to the other side of the uh, AFC West battle. I don't know. For some reason, he thought it was more important to to go check out the, the teams that are first <laughs> and second place in the division. But uh um what's going on guys uh we, we all fired up and ready for uh for thanksgiving tomorrow yeah man I'm, my cooking's already I'm ready done, so i'm already i'm already eating enjoying myself being a fat boy so i can continue and <laughs> drinking a lot you know what i mean so it's, it's good vibes over here already for me yeah, yeah. Uh, making uh hockey pucks and cornbread this this year that's what I gotta say. We gotta hear the the, the sean thanksgiving meal hot <laughs> well, what, what's what's haunted sean's thanksgiving meal I mean, I, I think I got a pretty good setup. I tweeted it out yesterday. I got got a pot roast, you know what I mean? Cooked for eight hours, so it was very well done. You know, that beef in there is, is beyond beyond well done. Um, baked mac and cheese, candy yams, fried cabbage, cornbread. I'm eating good over here, man. I got, you know, got some, yeah. some cognac. You know, some red I'm always said, you know, like, we give we give to Sean a lot of crap for his uh, his steaks, but uh, I, I, I've always said he he, he could mix sides. The side dishes look great. Hey man, I'll take it. I'll take it. See, my my grandma, we've never forgiven her. One year, uh, instead of turkey, she made um, not pot roast, but she made beef stew. And I like beef stew, but like when I show up on Thanksgiving and, and suddenly you're messing around, give me some beef stew. I just uh, never forgave her. But uh, you know, I will, I will say turkey like. Unless it's deep fried, I'm kind of cool on turkey. Because, like, it's usually, like, unless it's cooked, like, to perfection, it's going to be kind of dry, you know? So you got to get the Traeger. Mine's going on the Traeger tomorrow. The Traeger, you get nice and moist, smoked flavoring. Um, Put put it on the Traeger, and uh, you'll be happy. I still got to make that investment. I'm I'm, I'm almost there. All right, let's talk Raiders. Um. You know, they, they got the win last week, and so uh, that kind of calmed things down a little bit. Now they head to Seattle, and, um, you know, it's uh, we'll see if they can get a little streak going. But, uh, I mean, wh- wh- where are we at with this team? Uh, Nate Hobbs designated to return from IR on Wednesday. That's that's good news. Um, you know, the, uh, the the vibes seem a little bit better around there. Uh, wh- where are we at going into Seattle? I'm at the same place, pretty much. I mean, you know, it, I think that win more so than, like, their 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 chances this season. It's more about just keeping a locker room together um, and, and keeping them from checking out um, and and maybe helping that effort to get them to buy into this new coaching staff. Like I don't think it, I don't think be, beating the Broncos again, who obviously are terrible, like suddenly makes them a, a a good team. You know, and the Seahawks have been pretty good. I know they're, they're six and four, so it's not like they have like some dominant record. But if you watch them from week to week, like you know, this is a serious team on the road. Conditions are not going to be great. Um, it's supposed to be rainy and I think in the forties, which favors the home team, obviously. And so, um, you know, I don't, 
I don't, I don't like their chances too much in this one, but I think I do think they're a team that, you know, I think that Saints game is, a, is an aberration. Like, I think they're going to be competitive for sure and probably competitive for most of the season. Like, they're not a just a horrendous team with no hope of winning, but um, I just think they don't have enough ultimately to get over the hump against these good teams like this. And for me, that, that locker room last week was uh, was pretty emotional. Players, you people saw the video, I'm sure, and kind of uh, had been a rough week for Derek Carr. And I think the team kind of rallied around them, and definitely they enjoyed that one a lot. It was big for the coaching staff and the players. So I'm very curious to see if they can build off of that. Like Deshaun says, a tough test. Seattle was coming off a bye week. Um, they had a rough game in London. They had a really early uh, starting time for them, and kind of rallied late in that game, and they played pretty well down the stretch. And they, you know, they lost. So it's a tough game. And I'm really curious to see how the players, um, if they can follow up on this this last win, which is, you know, wasn't really impressive, but a win's a win. So they, they got to try and start stacking them. And it's going to be tough to do it, but I want to see uh, what, what they got. Come on, Vic. Don't disrespect Munich. You're Munich, not London. Uh, my bad. My bad. That's right. It was, I, I'll keep thinking London. You're right. They were in Germany. My bad. Yeah, I just I just corrected that while I was editing your uh, your pick. So uh, I had that fresh on the mind. It was, a, it was a first ever game in Germany. So my my bad. I, I told yeah, you I mean that. you got you got to be fired up for the for the first game in Germany. Come on. My fault. My fault, guy. I apologize, Germany. All right, let's uh let, let's get some fans here. Let's uh, let's get some callers. Uh, we're gonna start here with uh, Eric G. Eric, what's going on? Nice. I just want to know, after watching that incredible video in the locker room, uh, the players chanting, D.C., 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 anybody with me? He's coming back next year, either to mentor a uh, lower-picked uh, QB or, uh, you know, as the undisputed uh, starter going forward. What do you say? Come on, get positive. Um, I, I said that on the last plot I was on that I, I thought, you know, there's a chance that DC does come back and mentor uh, whoever the uh, the young quarterback might be. So I, I definitely think there's a chance that it, it happens. This is, you know, I, I, this is a hard offense to learn. I mean, Carr is a smart veteran quarterback, and obviously he's had um, some trouble learning it in, in the um, beginning of the season. I thought there were some signs that uh, him and Devontae Adams are starting to get comfortable with the system in this last Broncos game against a really good Broncos defense going against um, one of the top young corners in the league. Uh, so I, I could see, you know, them wanting to maybe, if they do draft a quarterback high, maybe wanting to just sit him and uh, just kind of give him a chance to learn this offense. And I think um, Carr's contract is structured to where they have that option. I think for him to come back, I, I, they're probably going to have to play themselves out of one of those top draft picks um, to where they'd be in range to get a successor who could step in immediately and be ready to play. Um, you know, if they're a team that's, let's say, somewhere in the teens, for example, in the first round, you know, all the quarterbacks that um, they may like could be off the board by then. And, uh, you know, I, I just think if they end up, you know, where they are now with a top five pick, um, it's just hard to imagine them passing on, on taking a quarterback and kind of resetting their clock as a new regime. And if they do that, it just for me, it, it would just feel kind of overly messy to draft somebody that high and also keep Carr around on a year-to-year contract. I know the 49ers just did it, and it's kind of working out for them right now. But, um, you know, with them already having some some questions about the relationship between Carr and McDaniels and, you know, could also open the door for the locker room to get split over who they want to side with. Like, I think it would be just a little bit too messy to bring him back, you know, if they are going to end up drafting a quarterback pretty high. 
I think it's you know it's kind of way too early to really make a make a call. I think if you if say the car and the offense do click now and McDaniel's to have a good you know good finish of the year, and you decide you want to bring him back and kind of you know see what he can do, then you can't really draft the quarterback from the mentor because you have enough holes in this team where you can't be wasting not wasting but using that pick on a non-defensive impact player or not a guy who can come in on the O line maybe a star but you need some studs. Um, defense especially. So if you are bringing Carr back because you want to think this can work with McDaniels and the offense can kind of take off, you had to do them the, the, the honor of the solid of bringing some more guys in, some quality impact guys on defense and help them out. So mentoring a quarterback for him, I think wouldn't be attractive for either him or for the team. Uh, thanks, guys. And let me just leave you with this. Uh, how many wins does it take? to uh to sean when you say that you know they get up in the teens is that six wins something like that that you think and it's kind of cool um, right it gives us something to watch for the rest of the season dc fight for his raider life right Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's one way to view it um but I, I think like if they get to like seven wins then i i think well, i think to the world pick last year was 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 seven one team the seahawks ironically um so maybe seven eight wins somewhere in that range that they probably would get them to the point where most of the top five quarterbacks are probably going to be off the board. And so it doesn't really, like like Vic said, like there's no no need for them to reach on somebody instead of when their defense is this bad. Like there's going to be so many quality defensive prospects, you know, still on the board in that range where it just wouldn't make sense. And so mention to see. I mean, like this team is it, tough to say because they, they've been in all these games. And so they very easily could be a 500 team or better right now. Um, but when they've consistently lost some of those games, it, it, you kind of just have to start to think that's who they are. Um, and so it's like it's not unfathomable that they get to seven or eight wins. I'm just not super confident that that ends up happening based off of what we've seen. I'm telling you guys, like like I said on Sunday, Hendon Hooker with the torn ACL, he's going to need a redshirt year. They, I think they kind of like him anyway. He's it's the perfect situation where you can keep keep Carr and and you know he you could draft him later than than you would uh, would have had to otherwise, and he's going to need that redshirt anyway. Carr gets another year, and uh, and then you've got your next guy. So that. I, I kind of say that half jokingly, but like it, it literally could could end up working out as as a as a good situation. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't wouldn't shock me. What is he? Yeah, like, like thirty three years old by the time he's ready yeah, to play, though. Yeah, <laughs> I would, I, if I'm a, like, I would just wait till the second. Like, if they just want a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you're like, not Anthony. Him in the first Anthony. Round. Yeah, Anthony Richardson is probably gonna be in the second. I'm taking that guy. Like, he's young. He has all the traits. Like, he has a ton of upside. Like, Hendon Hooker probably is what he is. Anthony Richardson. Like, I, like if you're gonna keep car and have I think he's going to first. Player. I think Richardson might. goes in the first. Yeah, he might, but I'm just saying, if, if somebody like that is there, I would rather take a swing on a guy that's, like, a little bit raw and has a bunch of upside instead of just getting, like, another, like, eh, you know, kind of guy. Because at that point, you might as well just keep car and drive, because they have so many needs. Like, the, the offensive line still have weaknesses, the defense, kind of, you know, how Vic said. And so, like, I, I feel like they should just stay away from it unless it's a guy that they feel like can really be, like, an upper echelon quarterback one day, you know. All right, let's bring on Aaron B. Aaron, how you doing? What's up, Ted and Tashawn? It's it's Aaron Bruno from AWOL Nation coming in hot good, again. Man. What's up? So as as Tashawn can attest, uh, I predicted the Colts' loss, um, and I, I feel like I was the only person in North America. Hey, who... hey, hey! hey. <laughs> I, predi- I I was like, what? One point off on the score? I predicted it too. So don't. Okay, my, my bad, but I actually kind of <laughs> I guarantee it. To, to Sean, he he can attest to this, and uh, and then I followed up with a victory prediction against the Broncos, 
So I feel like that was a bit unique. So where I'm coming at, and and this is a huge request to Vic, is I'm predicting two wins in a row because I think we could beat the Seahawks, which will be strange, I know, but it's a weird game. Josh Jacobs goes off in the rain. And then we beat the Chargers because I think it's possible. And if this happens, I think Vic should sing my platinum hit song, Sale. That's all I'm saying. That's my request. What do you think? I think Vic's got the range to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and he can do yeah. whatever octave he likes. And maybe he doesn't know the song, but if he hears it, he'll go, oh, I think I've heard that on a commercial at, at some point. They're going to win yeah, three more in a row? No, yeah, two. They win. I'm yeah, just saying two. Win. I'm just saying two. It no, would I'm be three in a row, yeah. including the Broncos. Yeah, I'm saying right. yeah they, they went three in a row. I'll sing whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> get, get to know that song, baby. I love you guys. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to more. Good talk to you, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, I I think they have a chance against the Seahawks because, you know, the the Seahawks started playing the run a little bit better two weeks before they played Tampa Bay. But before that, they were just horrendous against the run and they were pretty bad against against a a really bad Buccaneers offensive line. So I, I think... If they could run the ball in the the bad weather, uh, you know, I think the Raiders have a chance to keep that keep the game close. All right, let's uh, turn it over to Anthony Q. Anthony, how you doing? So, I mean, I remember like when you guys first did like the first live one. It might 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 not have been the first live one, but it was during the off season. It's right after we got Devontae, and before that, I was on the one where where we we were talking about, you know, if McDaniels was going to trade car and, and now to where we are now going through just the off season. Now feels like the whole last season where rugs did what he did and Gruden did what he did. And it's just been a roller coaster, man. It's, it's, it's really hard to be a Raider fan. You know, it's, it's, it's honestly one of the most, uh, and I'm not crying. I'm just, I'm just sick right now. We understand. We understand. Oh, this dude, is a therapy I, session. It, it is man. Like, and it was funny cause I've had Twitter deleted for like the past four or five weeks. Just, just like in disgust of, what they are they're just it's it's frustrating man you know it's like they 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 bring in all this impact they the, to where you know you're like okay mcdaniels he comes with you know with some really high championship pedigree yeah he failed in denver but you know we all were like okay i mean dude's pretty smart he's worked with tom brady he's worked with mac you know made them all look good now obviously not making tom look good but you know in in certain moments just like the super bowl against the rams you know they that last you know, a few drives, he was really integral. And and from everything that Tom Brady says and Bill Belichick says, you're like, okay, the guy has matured and he's gotten better. I think, I honestly do think uh, Ziegler's good. I think, I think he's a good GM. I think he's brought in a lot of Patriot people. He also, you know, has shown that uh, I think his draft picks have been pretty okay. You know, I don't think they've been horrible um, this year and he didn't even have a first or a second. Right. So, I mean, I think he has, you know, the, the, has shown enough to where, you know, you could justify definitely bring him back. Obviously they're both going to be back cars up in the air. It, it's just frustrating. And, you know, my thought is now it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do now? You know, you got seven games left. What are you going to do? Are you guys going to fold? Are you going to continue to go down this, you know, cause it could just be as easily that they went on Sunday as they go out there and they look like complete ass, you know, I mean, that's just, that's, that's who they are. 
So when are they going to shake that narrative? And honestly, I mean, is it, is it us being blind a little bit as fans saying like, okay, Hey, you know, it's a new regime. Obviously cars always struggled with learning a new offense at the beginning. Always. He tries to, you know, make the coach super happy with going to the spot, going to the spot where I need to go. Even after that game, I don't know if you guys heard that, but when he was talking to the reporter at the end of the last game, when they won, he said, you know, I know Devonte. you know, he's, he's there pretty much every time, but you know, sometimes I have to, I have to go other places, you know? And it's like, why even, no, man, that's, that's your buddy. That's the guy that you grew up with and, and, and through college and made a name for. And it's like, just go to him. He's the best in the world. It's fine. You can go to him and, and you don't have Hunter right now. You don't have Darren. And, and I hope that on Sunday, this last Sunday that that clicked for him. Like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I mean, I don't care. I'm just going to go to you. We're just going to do this. You know what? If I get picked off, I get picked off. But you know what? If I don't, I just threw the best receiver in the world and you're about to do something special. So I hope the end of this year is something for us to be happy about. I hope that it goes into next year and it's, it's something happy to be, be happy about. But, you know, I mean, I'm not being as a Raider fan, a little bit too jaded and saying, you know, all right, give them a few more years, give them a couple more years. They, they, they come with good pedigree. Let them, let them work their process. I mean, it really sucks that, that we haven't been good this year, but you know, what, what do you guys think? Yeah. I think at this point, like fans have to detach themselves from expectations coming into the season. Like this just isn't going to be that team. Like this isn't a team that's going to be contending. Like even if they do somehow go on like a miracle run and make the playoffs, which most likely isn't going to happen. Like, we, we just can't keep holding them to that standard because they've shown us that's not what they are, right? And so at this point, it's more about the future because, you know, Mark Davis, he's already committed to Mark, uh, Josh McDaniels and, and Ziggler for the 2023 season. So it's time to start thinking about the future. And, you know, for them, I think it's at this point, it's more about what it looks like than the outcome, if, if that makes sense, just in terms of the offense starting to coalesce and show some more progress, whether that's just, you know, when it's just Devontae only version or when Waller and Renfro are able to come back or the defense, you know, showing some semblance of competency against somebody that isn't the Broncos, like seeing that happen over this final stretch. Like it's more about elements that they could potentially build on moving forward than them, you know, going on some crazy win streak. Cause it's just, it's, it's pretty unlikely, like based off of how they've looked and, and who they have like yet to play. And so, kind of taking that long-term view you were talking about, you know, the next two or three years, it's more so about seeing little nuggets of hope more so than, because at the end of the season, in all likelihood, it's not going to be something that makes you happy as a Raider fan. Like, like the final result just probably isn't going to be good, but it's about finding those kind of glimpses and bright spots that they could use to kind of pedal hope moving forward. Well, I, well, I think, is I think that question was way too long. From now on, Jimmy said, we got a shot clock on these bad boys. You can't get in 45 seconds. Jimmy's going to ding you. I appreciate the frustration and the passion, but good Lord, man. My cookie almost got cold. I ain't Anyway, but um, yeah, I feel You got defrosted. Um, you defrosted your turkey. Come on. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I, I feel the, the fan frustration. I think this year was definitely a tease. And the only hope is that you see some real progress the rest of this year and kind of a not the fake progress like you've seen in the past, but it's hard to always judge that. But uh, hopefully, you know, the, the, the fans and the and the us who, who get paid to watch this stuff will, will see it and be able to identify if it really is um, heading in the right direction this time. 
Yeah, I think what what you want to see is you want to see the big three together. You want to see Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams play together, and you want to see it work. We haven't seen that all season, and these guys are you know under contract for multiple years. So uh, you, you want to see it work, and obviously offensive fireworks are fun to watch. I wouldn't be expecting wins, but you know when you see offensive fireworks, it's fun. So um, if you know that's what I would want to see for the rest of the season. I, you know, I want when those guys come back, I want to see this. Big three or big four, if you count Jacobs in it, uh, work together. All right. Thanks for uh, that, Anthony. Pre- appreciate it, guys. Hey, Vic, you know what? Now your turkey's defrosted. You can be happy about that. <laughs> Calm down, man. I've been sitting here for 20-plus years, it's 30 all- years now. <laughs> it's, it's, all- it's, it's painful, man. It's hey, man. painful. So, it's, so it's you all- know what? It's all you love, man. It's all it. love. I'm just busting uh, your chops. You, you know it love. is. You know it is. Um, all right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Later. All right, we're going to bring in Benjamin H. And Ben, uh, Vic says 45 seconds or less on your question. If not, if you can't keep it into that, he says I have to cut you off. So uh, you're going to be the first test of the new Vic Tay for 45-second shot clock rule. Put the Oscar no. music on. No, I, I couldn't Yeah, I couldn't monologue like that if I tried. That was impressive. <laughs> um, uh, so I have a – but I do – I have a question and a comment. Um, if that's al- – Vic, is that allowed? Yeah, go for it. All right, I'll do the comment first. Um, I think we need to take a moment to salute Jimmy's ad reads on the podcast. Jimmy, I listen to a lot of podcasts. You are you are the best reader of ads I have ever heard. I don't know if you did theater in college, but you totally commit to the – you really just like – commit to the sincerity of, of the need for this product. So I hope your advertisers are sending you, you know, hams and, and champagne and stuff like that. Oh, they do. They don't send us anything, but they send Jimmy yeah. all stuff. Yeah, we don't get shit. <laughs> my, my dining room is, is full of uh, boxes of liquid death. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very well hydrated. Yeah. I mean, at some point, like I'm going to start tearing up when you do these reads, you really like to <laughs> deliver the drama of the, so anyway, so I want to salute you for that. And then my question is, I mean, the truth is I have like 90 questions I want to ask, but I don't want to hog the stage. So I'll ask this one. Vic, you have dropped a couple tantalizing breadcrumbs in tweets and articles recently about how the rate of the new regime has a harsher policy on player social media. And I was wondering if you could say more about that. How did you hear about it? What are you hearing about it? Is it chafing the players and so on? Yeah, I don't know if it's a harsher policy. I think that the players are definitely aware that um, they're being watched carefully. Like I think in the past, yeah, I think it's probably why you see less uh, action during the season from guys on, on social media. I think um, I'm sure there've been some comments that, that they've been heard from uh, up above about things they posted. And I just think that, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that. To me, I think that works with teams that obviously have winning programs and you, you have this culture, whatever. And that's what the Patriots way, and that's what they're trying to instill here. But I just think for guys who um, They've been doing it their own way for a while, and they're not really used to it. And if it can be kind of a little, seem a little abrasive at times, so it's kind of been a rough transition. But um, again, I think it's just part of the process of getting you know, the guy, the, your kind of guys, and your kind of culture in here. And there was a lot of talk before the year about you know this not being the Patriots' way, but it clearly is. And that's fine because it's worked for them. They won rings doing it, so why wouldn't you bring it here? Nobody wants to hear the Raiders are becoming the Patriots, but that kind of has to happen for the you know to get these guys. You know, to, to get to the point where they want it to be at. So I just think it's been a, a tricky, you know, a, a touchy um, process at times. But I think for the most part, the leaders and the Raiders are pretty good, and they're kind of uh, are dealing with it all right. 
I don't want to, you know, make you reveal sources, but is this something that you heard about from players or from Ziggler or how did you I've hear heard about, about it? it from from uh, multiple from players and from people in, in the front office and in, in, in the building? So just um, it's just a thing that you are kind of um, are made aware of that's kind of become not not an issue, but just a thing that you know if this thing fell apart. And I'm not saying it will, but there's always things you look at in terms of, you know, different little details that kind of can add up to a big thing. And that's just one thing when the players are asked to buy in and there's different things you got to adjust to. And that's one of the things you're having to adjust to. So if they keep winning, it, it won't be an issue. But if, like I think I wrote at one point, when the losses pile up, you should have to question why you're doing things a certain way if you're not getting the payoff, which is where they... The danger was, I think we, we lost three games in a row, but it was a nice win last week. We'll see if they can kind of... Uh, turn around here and kind of get back to uh, what these guys have in mind. So if there's a player on the Raiders, you would advise him not to post a video of him holding a machine gun and threatening to kill someone? Yeah, I guess that's a good idea. I would say I think that's hey, just for the general public. That's probably good advice. Yeah, okay. I would say, you know, maybe hold off now. Maybe, like, you know, show it to your friend. Is this a good idea? No, okay, I won't, I won't do this one. So I think um, – okay. But yeah, clearly that's an extreme example. I'm talking about smaller stuff, like just random comments and things that, you know, I think they want this to be a clearly, you know, a very focused effort in terms of both on the field and off the field. And I think that's that's part of it as far as what you do on, on social media. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. I may pop back in for another question if uh, if there's a lull at the end. But thanks a lot. There's, no, right, there's, thanks there's, a lot, there's, no, there's no lull in this thing. It's like a hot, <laughs> hot commodity, man. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Jeremy P., you are next up on the board. You guys probably saw that with this latest uh, overtime win, Carr took the lead in career overtime victories, and I think he's up there in uh, fourth quarter comebacks as well. you know, just want to get your take on whether you think that reflects uh, how well you think that reflects on him. Uh, you know, this, is that just a random stat that, you know, means he's been on a team that has had to make a lot of comebacks, had to go to overtime. Um, you know, it. I, I just I just wondered what you guys take on that was. And it it, it just, um, you know, also whether there's a. Uh, urgency that he plays with maybe at the end of games that he could replicate a little bit more in the middle of games. Uh, anyway, just want to throw that out there. Um, I, I think um, that, yeah, I think that stat also shows how much the Raiders are behind, but I do think that for a quarterback to be able to keep his cool and, um, you know, make the reads he needs to make and the throws he needs to make in those critical moments definitely says something about him. But it's also not a stat that I would say, oh, I'm going to pull this stat out to prove this quarterback is elite or he's, you know, better than a, a, another quarterback. And uh, I think it's a good stat to have, but I, I just don't know if it says too much about uh, about the quarterback. And, you know, as we've seen this year, you know, that kind of luck when it comes to close games could swing the other direction as the Raiders have lost plenty of close games um, this season. Yeah, I think it's, you know, kind of how Ted said, I think it's more of a reflection of him playing with a bunch of terrible defenses throughout his entire Raiders career. Uh, CBS Sports today tweeted out that, you know, he's, in turn, for quarterbacks who started at least 50 games since the NFL merger, like his defenses have given up the most points per game in NFL history. And he's, his best defense ever was 20th in scoring defense. Like, I mean, when you just have when you have consistently have defenses in the bottom third of the league, you're probably going to have to make a bunch of comebacks to win games. Period. Which you know we've seen from them this season and pretty much throughout his entire career. So he's had probably an abnormal amount of opportunities, and so maybe you know the number of comebacks that he had maybe that's inflated a little bit. But he still is a guy that that does come up big in those moments. I mean, last season on their way to the playoffs, like he was he was making huge plays, you know, pretty much throughout the entire season. And then obviously wouldn't have gotten where they got without him. And so definitely have to give him credit, but um it is definitely not the not something that you necessarily want your quarterback to have to do on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean you look at what along with Carr, isn't Matthew Stafford another guy who, you know, kind of since both those guys have been in the league, is those are like kind of a couple of the guys that are that are up there in that stat. And I mean those are Two guys that, I mean, are they good quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, obviously Stafford um, kind of elevated himself once he got to the Rams, won a Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, they're, are they are they guys that have been considered top five, you know, consistently top ten? I mean, they're, they're guys that have been kind of that fringe top ten to twelve. Um, you know, when they have a good year, they're a little bit higher. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, it's, not a, it's not a bad stat to be 
you know, up there in, but it's also, it's like, it, it's not the kind of end all be all type stat. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. All right. Thanks, thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Right. We're going to move on over now to Kyle S. Kyle. Thanks, guys. First time, long time. Uh, first big question that I have. The hard part for me, I've always been a car stand. And, and people can say whatever they want about him. He's not Mahomes. He's not Allen. But he's better than what it could be. And as a Raiders fan that went through the early 2000s where we were just terrible. What is your take overall on if they get rid of Carr, what's the next step? Everybody wants to draft a rookie quarterback. You can look at the kid in New York where he's cut or he's benched after the the number two pick is benched after two years. You have Baker Mayfield gets traded. I just feel like getting rid of Carr is not going to be the answer. So overall, who do you think takes the fall for the season this year? If it is Carr, does Adams want out if Carr's the fall guy? And lastly, do you have any faith that Ziggler and McDaniels can find the new quarterback and get this team to be a consistent playoff contender. Thank you. I, I get what you're saying about wanting a level of consistency, and Carr does bring a certain level of consistency, but it also gets you stuck in a, a place we call quarterback purgatory, where you don't have a, a elite quarterback, a guy that could, you know, uh, just you know, get win you games even when the roster isn't ideal, and um, just kind of that up up on quarterbacks. Um, but he's good enough to keep winning games and get you out of range of a uh, top 10 quarterback. And, you know, I, I think when, when you look around the league and you look at teams that have sustained success, those are the guys that found those quarterbacks. And, yeah, it does suck when you strike out, but look at the reward when you do, when you are able to um, to hit on one of those quarterbacks. And, you know, if you don't have one of those quarterbacks, then you really need to have an elite coaching staff that can – um, that can be a plus when it comes to strategy and all those things that coaches do. Um, you know, a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who's able to, you know, win games with backups and, uh, and, um, you know, kind of prop up a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. So unless you have one of those, you know, I, I think you have to keep trying to swing for the fences when it comes to the, those top guys. Is it, isn't it? If you do, I totally get what you're saying, Ted, but if you're going to do that, I, to me, it needs to be a Smith Mahomes situation where I'm totally okay with getting going away from Carr, but let it be because somebody comes in and beats him out. Like my biggest fear is that we get rid of Carr at the end of the year because his contract allows it, and then they draft the quarterback. He's a bust, and then it's another ten years before the Raiders are even good enough to try and make the playoffs. Like at least with Carr, every year for the most part, he at least gives you a shot that you can be there to at least make the playoffs. Cause that's, a, that's a win for the Raiders anymore. To- yeah. I think the tricky part with them is, and what made it easier for the chiefs to do that Mahomes Smith situation, for example, is they were already a playoff team. Like they like a regular playoff team and like went in division. And so, you know, they didn't have the number of holes that the Raiders have right now. And so, 
with the basically the entire defense sucking, like with the offensive line having its issues, can you really justify drafting a quarterback and then sitting him for a year? Unless, you know, I mean, like, like if you think that highly of the guy anyway, then you would hope that he'd be able to come in and start from year one when you have Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, you know, maybe Josh Jacobs. We'll see what happens with him this offseason. But I, I think they're in a little bit of a different situation than that. And so I think if this goes completely to shit and they end up with a top five pick, you would have to look at Derek Carr as, as the primary scapegoat that stands out. Like, I guess they could go to Patrick Graham as a defensive coordinator, but the defensive talent is so lacking that, like, I don't really know if it – I won't say it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is, but I'm not sure how much better results could have been had on that side of the ball. And it just typically buys you more leeway as a head coach and a GM to, to bring in a rookie quarterback and kind of restart your, your clock. Um, but I, th- I will say in terms of their, their ability to navigate, because I do think there's quarterbacks in this draft class, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, namely – who are guys that could potentially be that elite tier quarterback that we're talking about. And when it comes to their ability to kind of evaluate talent, I, I will say, I mean, that this, this draft class, the, ret- the early returns from it have been pretty solid with, you know, Dylan Parham immediately becoming an interior starter that plays pretty well. Thayer Mumford, he started games and plays starter reps really throughout the season, even though he, he's kind of been working in off the bench, he's been pretty good um, along with a couple other guys they have. And so, uh, you know, Typically, the Patriots draft was why they've been a good team for 15 years. And so I, I wouldn't doubt their ability to evaluate from that standpoint. I think you kind of have some of those concerns eased from Josh McDaniel's first run where he was calling the shots really in all facets and made that move to draft Tim Tebow, which obviously was a terrible move. And so I think it would go a little bit better this time around just because he doesn't have that same level of influence on that side. And so. You know, I'm not saying that the, you know, they could, they could definitely keep Carr and, and use a pick elsewhere and spend their money elsewhere and try to improve the team. But, um, just the way it is going and what we've seen throughout history, like typically the person that takes the fall for this kind of thing is a, is a quarterback that the current regime didn't pick. You know, and the other problem too is if you think about it, like what are your, what are your assets to improve your team? The draft and then, you know, free agency salary cap space and all that. So if you draft a quarterback and sit him behind Carr, there you're using one of your best assets that high draft pick on a quarterback and you're you know using a, a big chunk of salary cap space on car and so it's like you're you're kind of you're you're short term hurting yourself and you know because you're not going to be able to improve your team um you know improve the rest of your team and and then you're not even you know that that high value draft pick that you're using you're not even really using that to improve yourself on the field so i think that's that's the tough thing about going that route Last question, guys. If, let, 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 me, let me let me let me tell you real quick. I was going to say that the way I see it is that um, I think right now, even based on the contract you got, you can say that uh, Carr and and this new regime are kind of dating. They're not really married yet because there's still plenty of outs in that contract. So they're kind of dating at this point, kind of getting to know each other, see how it goes. I think at the end of the year, if they're like five and twelve or six and eleven, at some point when these guys Ziegler and McDaniel sit down with Mark Davis. Uh, he's going to ask them, all right, uh, can we win the whole thing with Derek Carr? Can we go deep in the playoffs and make or can we really be you know, that team with Derek Carr? And they have to say yes or no. And at that point, they'll be married to him. If they, if they come back with Derek Carr next year for whatever it is, $35 million next year, and then he is their guy all of a sudden. So if they don't make it next year with him, then they are definitely on the hook. Whereas if you kind of blow it up a little bit and bring in a young quarterback with a first-round pick, you kind of give yourself more rope for these guys. So I think – that's why these last stretch of games are important because they have to decide. I mean, they may have some feelings right now and maybe year and a, but this will iron it out if they really think they can win the whole thing with Derek Carr. 
and the team the way it is currently constructed. If not, they got to tell Mark Davis that, and he'll give them the rope to kind of go back and take a step back. But that's why I think it's kind of wide open these next uh, these next games on the schedule. The the last question I have for you, and thank you, Vic. I think we're on the same page there. But I guess it's one: do they cut him, or if they cut him at the end of the year versus trying to trade him? Like, is there a team that you think that he would potentially accept a trade to, since he has the no trade clause? And then, if he gets cut, traded, whatever that is, do you guys think that that will affect Devonte Adams and his? Will he? Will he become a problem? Yeah, I don't think there'd be any issue finding a trade partner for him. And and usually that that no trade clause, it becomes something that's not so much saying I'm just going to veto a trade altogether. It, it more so is used as a tool for for a guy to control where he gets to go, you know. And so I think there are certain places, obviously, where Carr would be like, yeah, it's a dumpster fire. Why would I want to go there? Um, but if there is a good team that wants to make a move for him, which is certainly possible, like I could see him being on board with it. In terms of the Devontae Adams side of it, while like obviously his friendship with Carr and their chemistry was a big reason why he came to the Raiders, he also is just a guy that's from the Bay Area and grew up a Raiders fan and wants to play for the Raiders anyway. And so I don't think that those two are necessarily like intrinsically linked together. Like I don't think that you have to get rid of both if you get rid of one. You know, I mean, like I don't think Devontae would necessarily be happy about it you know, or anything like that. But I don't think it's just an immediate, yeah, if you part ways with Card and Devontae. Because, I mean, he, you know, because just looking at the structure of the deals, I mean, Devontae signed a long-term deal. But, he, you know, he's he's in tune with the business. He knows that Derek Carr's deal was basically a year-to-year deal when he came here. And then even after he got his extension, it's still a year-to-year deal. So I'm sure it's it wasn't outside the realm of possibilities in his mind that maybe they, they end up moving on from Carr and so. Um, you know, I, I think he would still end up sticking around even if they do move on from him. Awesome. Thank you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Right. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you. Right. Gonna bring on uh Roz C. What's going on? Hey, hey, how you doing? First of all, I just want to say thanks to all four of you. I'm one of those sickos that uh <laughs> tune in tune in even if it's, you know, in the middle of a you know, however many games losing losing streak, if we can't, you know, get past the fifty yard line against crappy defense <laughs> and all that. I'm one of the sickos, man. So shout out to, to all y'all for keeping us satisfied, you know. Um one question I have though is what I haven't really heard any any rumblings at all about Patrick Graham being on any kind of hot seat. Um but the defense has been, you know, all, by all means pretty atrocious. So what what's the what do y'all think is the over under on uh on on this new PG uh sticking around year two? New PG is crazy. Um, I, I my sense is that they view it as more so being a talent deficiency issue than a scheme issue, which kind of holds up with like what's been going on pretty much regardless of whether they play a bunch of man, a bunch of zone, different mix up coverages, they blitz, they don't blitz, like situation, like like. The defense just sucks. Like, I think that's just going to be the case, like, with, with how a team is built right now. I will say the most damning thing about the defense is the situational defense. The fact that they're, like, among the worst teams in the league on third downs, the red zone defense as a whole, and then also the fact that they've given up touchdowns on every single goal-to-goal possession that they face that's an amazing um, this stat. season, which I'm not sure if that's the first time in NFL history, if it maintains, but you would think it probably is. Um that that points to coaching for me because we've seen talent deficient teams still do well in certain situations and they've pretty much just been bad at everything. So 
I don't, I don't think they, they think he's done. He's done a great job or an awesome job or whatever Mark Davis used necessarily, but fantastic. Uh, yeah, fantastic. 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 So I, Vic, Vic I think it's, word. I think they think that if they get some better players on defense, then that scheme is one that will generate success. And so I think they'll probably give him the chance of, you know, going through another off season where they have more capital, both in the draft and free agency to address that side of the ball, give him some guys to work with and see what he can do next season. I'll just add that when we sat down with, with Ziegler and Sarasota, um, it was clear that they love the, they love Patrick Graham and love the scheme. They think that you know, there can't be a complicated defense. That's going to be what it takes to be you know, a, a team that can go deep in the playoffs. So I think these players they have here probably aren't fitting that, uh, that mode right now, but I think they don't blame him at all. I think he's, uh, I, I thought for a little while he might be a possible scapegoat, but uh, I think that he'll be fine. I think there's no danger of him not coming back next year. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the beginning of the season, you know, the, the two things that could not happen, I, you, the two things that needed to happen was that the pass rush needed to be absolutely dominant with Crosby and uh, Chandler Jones, and as we know, Jones just has not been it. And the, the secondary had to stay healthy, and that ha- absolutely did, has not happened. The secondary has been ravaged with injuries, so it's um, it, it's definitely a, a personnel issue. And I, I think you know, of course, you want to see a little bit more success, but you know, when you just look up and down the roster at who's been starting and who's been playing, and and what's going on with the pass rush, I, I think any DC would have a pretty hard time having any success. Right on. Well, I appreciate the insight and. Um... It's, it's interesting. I mean, Vic being the, the veteran of the crew right here, the longest tenured uh, uh, beat rider with, with the Raiders, man. Um, it's, you know, what, what, how come we have such crappy defenses for so long? Like, it really is an enigma. I, I just don't understand it, man. Vic, can you explain that? Well, first, man, you call me old. Man, you can't been here for a little longer, too, bro. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, I don't know if there's a curse or what, but it has been an amazing run of, uh, of coordinators who haven't quite hit the mark, really bad draft picks, really bad free agent signings. It's been a pretty amazing run. So uh, it just takes one, man. It just takes one hit to kind of hopefully break it. Maybe Max Crosby was the starter of that, and then you get another guy next year in the draft who can be an impact guy. But um, it's definitely I, I can feel the frustration in the Raider fans because, you know, defense is what this – that's what the thing was built on way back in the day. And I just think I know it's rough for a week in, week out to show up and kind of get, uh, get walked on. But uh, – Hopefully it'll change at some point. I'm not sure if these are the guys that are going to do it, this regime, but uh, we'll find out. What's amazing is, like, defense had Khalil Mack and was still terrible. I mean, they've got Max Crosby. He's one of the best two-way pass rushers, you know, edge rushers in the league. It's, I think that's probably got to be the most frustrating thing. It's like it's 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 been talent deficiency, but they've had some some big stars on that defense, too. I mean, they had a, they had a defensive player of the year, and they still couldn't play defense. Uh, that's Probably got to be one of the more frustrating things is like they've they've been able to find guys at that that most important position that pass rusher um, and it's it's still just yeah I mean even when they spend money right I mean they they went out and invested on linebackers last year uh, you know we remember back when they you know spent forty million dollars to bring in Sean Smith uh, at cornerback and he was benched in his first game um, it's it's they've tried they've tried different things and it's still it's just it's whatever they tried does not work. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty amazing, uh, amazing run of mediocrity or even worse than that. <laughs> hey, but, we um, want me- mediocrity would would, would get him over the hub. Like mediocrity would be great. Right, and as a as a DC defender, you know, a card defender, not necessarily a stand and whatever. I do <laughs> I do point to the fact of how 
inept the defenses have been his whole his whole tenure, which is pretty difficult. But you know, my last note is just to say thanks, man. Again, I'm really happy. You know, I'm right here in Oakland, California, man, and um, just glad that y'all stayed on with the beat. You know, um, when they made the move to Vegas, which I personally think is also a curse. But uh, Raider Nation <laughs> for life. Yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate it. All right, guys. I think we're going to about wrap it up here, but uh, we do have to make our predictions. And uh, we all picked the Raiders to lose last week, and uh, we're all wrong. Look at look at that. Uh, so, uh, so what do we got? What do we got here in uh, in Seattle this weekend? Well, I'm picking them to lose again. So I have them <laughs> losing 30 to 27. Um, I, the Seahawks' offense has been a revelation this season with Geno Smith. I mean. Explosive both both on the ground and through the air. They've been one of the most efficient offenses in the league. And while the defense did have their the Raiders defense did have their best performance last last week, like that was against the Broncos, which is the worst offense in the league. And I just don't see that sustaining against the Seattle attack. I think the Raiders offense does find a fair, fair amount of success with with Josh Jacobs running the way he is, um, and, and Devontae Adams. You know, it seems like the Raiders have committed to using the guy they traded all those assets for um, week in and week out, and so. Um, I, I do think they have a good day offensively, but ultimately just fall a little bit short and, you know, fall down to three and eight. Uh, I kind of want, I kind of want to predict an upset, but the weather being the way it is, I, it's hard for me to see. Uh, so I will say Seahawks, but I think the Raiders play feisty and I think Josh Jacobs has a big day. So I would say Raiders, uh, Seahawks win this one, uh, 28 to 24. Nick, you want to go next? You want me to take it? No, fine. I, I, uh, I'm a guy. I hate to make it unanimous again, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, I gotta see it. I, I can't quite buy in after one week. So I think the Seahawks have had a better season. They've been, uh, well, maybe a little more talent with a little better coach this year. So I got 28, uh, 20 Seahawks. I think, um, yeah, just, um, I can't quite uh, buy in quite yet, but we'll have to, I gotta see it. But, um, it's, uh, Plus, it's the Gabe Jackson revenge game, so that's also a big deal. <laughs> Don't forget about Quentin Jefferson. Quentin Jefferson. Oh, yeah, Quentin Jefferson revenge game. That's right. Double mm-hmm. double revenge game. So. Guys, you, you are missing out on the biggest revenge game of all. What's that? Tanner Muse revenge oh. game. Oh, shoot. Wow. <laughs> can, can I change my pick? I'm picking the Raiders to win now. Raiders, <laughs> Raiders 31, Seahawks 28. Bruce Irvin too. Bruce Irvin is back Ooh, with the Seahawks. Wow. Uh, oh, this is a revenge matchup. <laughs> right, I'm not going to make it anonymous. Raiders 23, Seahawks 20. Daniel Carlson gets another streak extended. He, he kicks Ooh. three field goals. 23-20. We're not going to make it unanimous this time. There you go. Oh, being bold. Yeah. Being bold. I don't feel like they discovered anything. You know, the, the win against the Broncos, it wasn't like one of those. Ah, look, they, they, they figured things out. I mean, it, they, they, they grounded out a win against a bad team. But um, I think to the degree of, like, figuring out, all right, just throw it to Devontae Adams a lot. Maybe, maybe they, they – I don't know. We'll see with the weather how, how that impacts it. But, I mean, I don't, I don't think they light it up. But I, you just feel like the, the, the Seahawks offense at some point has to kind of come down to earth. And so uh, – down to earth against the Raiders? I, <laughs> I just, I mean, are you writing off Gino? You can't write off Gino. Go back to what our expectations of the Seahawks were at the start of the season, and like, I mean, uh, we did not have these kind of expectations of them. I mean, they played kind of over their heads, but uh, yeah, I'm, Gino, it, it, come on, the the, the it's got to it's got to fall off at some point. So twenty three twenty, 
we'll uh, we'll see what happens. The last time uh, the last time I was the dissenter, I was the correct one. So uh, mm-hmm. might uh, might give uh, Raider fans a happy weekend. We'll uh, we'll see. But all right, everybody, we do want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. We uh, thank all of you who joined us, asked us some questions. Uh, we'll uh, look forward to doing this again sometime. And uh, of course, we will be back post game on Sunday after the Raiders take on the Seahawks. All right, later, guys. All right, y'all. Adios. Peace.